Hello, and welcome to Nutmegged, a Premier League podcast. Every week, we break down the latest matches, cover off-field drama, and inevitably discuss VAR. I'm Jackie. And I'm Josh. If you enjoy our show, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at NutmeggedPod or our website, nutmeggedpodcast.com. Please rate and review the show on your preferred platform to help other listeners find us. Hi, and thanks for joining us for our Match Day 5 review episode. How are you feeling today, Jackie? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. What did you think of the games? Were you happy, sad, bored, mad, angry? All of the above. All of the above. All right, let's get straight into it. Let's begin with the Merseyside derby. Yes, the big one. Which we said could have been one of the most consequential in a decade, simply because it would be the first time Everton had won if they had beaten Liverpool. They did not. They were close. They tied. I think it's probably fair to say that Liverpool came out the overall loser in that game if you factor in Van Dyke's injury and things like that. Yeah, it was a tough day for Liverpool. They certainly suffered a massive injury. They also had potentially a winning goal chopped off at the very end for what looks like an invisible offside an to me. An armpit offside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think Everton were pretty fortunate to draw, but they'll be happy with it. And I think Liverpool... I can't speak for all of their fans, but if I were a Liverpool fan, I would have rather lost that game than lost Van Dijk for the rest of the season. Yeah, and it seems like he will be out for at least, what, six to eight months? I can't remember what the diagnosis was. For anybody who didn't see the injury, he tore his ACL, and there might be some additional damage behind Damage to his ACL. Damage to his ACL, maybe not torn it. Given the extent of it, but it doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Do you think that... The injury could have been prevented. There's a lot of commentators vilifying Jordan Pickford for uh, what they think should have been a red card offence. And there are plenty of football pundits, including journalists, saying that, which I've never heard before, that uh, Pickford should be banned from playing for as long as Van Dyke is injured. Yeah, I think that's a ridiculous take, but I do think that it should have been a red card. I think it was an incredibly rash, reckless challenge. I don't think it was malicious or intentional to injure Van Dyke, but it was just thoughtless and rash. He came out flying into him, did, got nowhere near the ball, hit him with incredible force. Um, Van Dyke's standing leg kind of buckled and was set into the grass, which is why his knee kind of hyperextended, and that's how you get ACL damage. So I think it was avoidable. I do think it was a red card. The fact that it was allegedly reviewed by VAR and not given because Van Dyke was marginally offside when it happened, I think it's a really dangerous precedent to set. That tells me that you could, you know, punch somebody in the face and as long as he was already <laughs> offside, it doesn't matter. Yeah, some players will find that appealing. Liverpool apparently kind of asked questions after the fact to appeal, see if they would review it, maybe potentially ban Pickford um, retroactively, but... It seems that it was reviewed and they were so focused on the offside that they overlooked the fact that it was a dangerous red card offense. I think anywhere else on the field, someone comes flying into another player like that and badly injures them, that's going to be a straight red. And the fact that it wasn't, I think, was a pretty big oversight. Now, I haven't personally ever witnessed such a strong reaction to an injury on a, to an injury to a player on a team, yeah. uh, even if it is obviously a key player at the center of Liverpool's defense. What do you make of that? Is that just Liverpool is now you know, the reigning champion, such a big team that anything that happens to them is super consequential? Or do you think that it kind of belies 
a new weakness Liverpool is going to face this season, what does it mean for them this year? I don't think it speaks of a weakness. I just think it speaks of the fact that he is their most important player. He significantly improved their defense when he came in. He started and played every game for them in the league since, I think, September 2018. He hasn't missed any, any minutes. So he's kind of the heart and soul of their team. He's the leader of the back line. He kind of tells everyone else when to step up, when to fall back. He's good in the air. He's the reason they can play a high line defensively because he's so quick getting back. So it's going to change the whole way they play. Um, and it's going to feel like a really big loss to Liverpool. I think some of the reactions are a little dramatic. Some of the fans are acted like he had died. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, he is very much still with us. And Jordan Pickford. Getting death, death threats. Death threats. Yeah. It's all a little much, but you can understand that I guess the rivalry there is already strong and then injure their best player. Hopefully he comes back as as good as he was pre-injury. Mm-hmm. You pointed out that he's relatively old for a football player. <laughs> 29, which, ancient. Which is hilarious to say because then I'm relatively you old. are 29. I'm relatively that old. And I'm nowhere <laughs> near as fit and I don't think I could move. I think I think his mobility with an ACL injury is probably <laughs> better than mine now. Um, but I'm digressing. But the question I was going to ask was, do you think he's going to come back the same player, or is this you know Van Dyke past his peak going forward? I think he will. I don't. It's hard to know the extent. They haven't really announced what his exact injury is. But I think you know players are coming back from ACL injuries. It takes a while, but he should be fine when he comes back. I'm sure they have the best surgeons and medics working on him, so it'll just be a long recovery. And that wasn't the only red cardable offence in the game. That's a term that I've just made up. Richarlison from Everton was also sent off for a pretty bad tackle against Thiago at a different point in the game. Yeah, straight red. What do you think that means for Everton going forward? He's obviously going to miss, I think, three games. Yeah, he's a loss. I think it'll test Everton's strength and depth going forward. I think players like Alex Iwobi will have to step up. Um, the danger there is that Calvert-Lewin gets a little bit isolated because he plays up top with Richarlison often. But I think he is their most important player right now, arguably with James too. But um, as long as Calvert-Lewin keeps getting chances and keeps scoring, Richarlison shouldn't be as big a miss. Yeah, he's the first Everton player to score in the first five games since... 1930 or something ridiculous like right, that. He's on, a, he's on a roll. Yeah, so I'm glad I put him in my fantasy team early. Let's Me see. too. Let's see if he keeps it up next week. Yep. Okay. Uh, back to Van Dyke for one second. Sure. I want to remind everybody that he came from Southampton because that's my segue into the next game. Brilliant. Thank you. Chelsea versus Southampton. Chelsea versus Southampton. Yes. A 3-3 draw. Yep. It looked for a long part of the game to be headed for a Chelsea win. Chelsea don't do nice, easy wins. And then there were periods in which it looked like Southampton (laughs) could force a win. During which I was hiding behind the couch, Mm -hmm. watching through my hands. But it ended 3-3. Yes. Who do you think actually was the winner of that draw? In terms of who would be the happier team, the happier manager, definitely Southampton. They looked like they were completely out of the game for most of the first half. Chelsea were up 2-0. It could have been more. Timo Werner was absolutely terrorizing their defense. Chelsea looked to have everything under control, and then they Chelsea'd. <laughs> and That's also a new term. Yes, Chelsea. sadly. Um, Southampton scored right on the cusp of halftime. 
that giveaway. No one's defense reacted. Danny Ings basically just touched it around Keppa and rolled it into the net. Right just before looked half-time. like he walked right into the goal. He did. Um, and instead of chopping that up to, okay, that was a mistake, and we let him get one, don't let it happen again, Chelsea came out and looked pretty panicked for the second half and a little bit shaken up. Um, and I think that needs to be addressed psychologically because they get pretty rattled when somebody makes a big mistake. And then Southampton's second goal was just a comedy of errors. Kurt Zuma with a terrible pass back when he could have just put it out for a throw-in safely. Terrible back pass to Keppa, who continues to haunt my nightmares. Completely missed it. I don't even know. It, w- it was harder for him to miss the ball than it would have been for him to get it. And then it rolled through, hit the post. Christensen tried to slide in. Danny Ings and Jay Adams had multiple shots at it, and finally it went in from Jay Adams, and it was a disaster of a goal. Which game... Which goal, that one, or the fast that United conceded against Tottenham, which goal do you think was more cringeworthy? From a defending standpoint, I think United's was worse because Harry Maguire tackled like Shaw. Yes, there is that. From a goalkeeping perspective, this is a disaster. This Chelsea goal is a disaster, and I think if anyone has a short memory later and says, "Why isn't Kepa getting another chance?" This is the goal you should watch, and this should be the end of Kepa's chances. Which is sad because yeah, you you and I feel bad for him. Yeah, on a mental level, it must be awful, and he's only human. I'm sure he's not trying to make mistakes, but the defense as a whole isn't strong enough to compensate for such a bad keeper and so it's just this sense of chaos that permeates through the whole team. Chelsea immediately to their credit scored a third Timo Werner, Pulisic and Havertz combined beautifully scored a third right away but then it just felt like a matter of time again until Southampton would equalize and they did right at the end. Yeah I mean when we see Kepa in the lineup you and I get a little bit nervous before a game. Oh my heart sinks. I can only imagine (laughs) what it feels like if you're one of the players. Yeah. And again, it's hard to say things like that because I feel bad for the guy and you don't want him to fail, but it really seems like he should be the last chance at goalie. Yeah, uh, I think he's had a lot of chances. I know they want to try to recoup some of his value, maybe try to rebuild his confidence, but every time they bring him in for a game to hopefully rebuild his confidence, he makes another huge mistake and it's just these errors are costing games and costing points. Yeah. yeah, I'll just say it again. I think, you know, there have been more exciting signings this summer, but Eduard Mendy could turn out to be the most important one because Chelsea's goalkeeping situation has been so terrible. And so far he looks very good, you know, competent, calm. So if he can stay fit and just kind of bring even just a sense of solidity to the team, he'll be a huge improvement. And for anyone who missed it, he wasn't involved in this game because he had a slight injury mm-hmm. and sustained an international break. Right. Hopefully he'll be back in time for next week. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Manchester City versus Arsenal. A slight 1-0 win for Man City and Pep's team. Surprisingly boring game. I was going to say, this was a game you talked about last week. One in which you thought that City would win, but maybe Arsenal could pull something creative out that Pep wasn't expecting and win. Especially with no De Bruyne, I thought they had a better chance. Right, but both teams seemed kind of like Luster and City yeah. seemed to escape with a win. Yeah, City were definitely the better team. They have 
the better players, particularly Aguero, was back. It made a huge difference. It just caused problems for Arsenal's defense. Sterling scored the only goal, and they kind of held on to that lead pretty comfortably. Arsenal, Arteta tried to be a little bit too clever, I think. He started William as kind of a false nine in the middle up front. Did not work at all. He was no. he was a very false nine. Yeah. Um, doesn't play any of his strengths. He is better facing the goal. He is very fast, better coming in from the wing. He's a better dribbler than he is in terms of holding up the play. So it just didn't work at all. And it kept Aubameyang on the left where he's good. But if you're going to have someone else in the center, why wouldn't it be other than Lacazette? Why not give Aubameyang the chance and move William left? Yeah. Um, so it just didn't quite work. I'm not sure. I think he was trying to be a little bit too clever to outsmart Pep. And Arsenal just didn't look like they could create anything. And you noticed, I remember you talking a lot about Pep's outfit during the game. Do you want to touch on that <laughs> briefly? It was interesting. I think of Pep as a pretty stylish guy. This was like a kind of a baggy athletic t-shirt. I think it was a Manchester City branded t-shirt with a hoodie cardigan combo on top. It was all different colors of black and blue. It's just, you know, you know, you think you'd go with the fitted t-shirt under the hoodie jacket combo, and it was just a little, little off. Okay. <laughs> we look forward to seeing what he wears next week. Not his best. Newcastle, Manchester United. Yes. A 4-1, pretty easy win for Manchester United. Yeah, United are, of course, looking good right before they play my Chelsea, because mm-hmm. they like to terrify me. Yep. They looked very good. They look like they're a little bit more fit. A little bit more rested after the international break. Marcus Rashford looks back to somewhere near his best. I thought he had a pretty tough couple of weeks beginning of the season. He looks good. Um, they defended better. Yeah, they look good. Newcastle didn't offer a whole lot, to be fair. And it was 1-1 for most of the game until a late flurry of goals from United. But they were three very nice goals. Do you think that you're going to put any of these United players into your fantasy team? I brought Bruno Fernandes in just because I'll be devastated if and when he scores against Chelsea, so at least right. I get some points from it. I mean, thinking about putting Rashford into my team, I'm not sure if I. Yeah, maybe we can hedge. We'll each take one. Yeah, I, I have a lot of money set up in my bank because I moved De Bruyne out yep. and I moved uh, Jamie Vardy out because of injuries, mm-hmm. and I don't know where to redeploy it, but he might be a good place. So yeah, I, I went with Son and Fernandes. I don't have anyone from United, and I don't have anyone. From Spurs in my team right now, which is probably why I'm lagging and, and falling behind in my league pretty quickly. Still early. Okay. Early days. We've got 33 more weeks left. Yep. All right. Day two of the games was not quite as exciting. No. I think we can do some of these a little faster. Rapid fire. Let's do it. Sheffield United, Fulham. 1-1 draw. About as mundane a game as people expected. Yes. Um... It was unfortunate for Fulham, who actually looked like the better team, were leading most of the game, think thought they were going to get their first win, and then Sheffield United had a penalty right at the end. It was kind of a bummer for them, but they look a little bit better. Loftus-Cheek made his debut, looked good, Adam Luckman scored a beautiful goal, and so Fulham, there are at least some more promising signs now. So one point each for two teams near the bottom of the table. I don't think that either of the teams will be thrilled because this, like you've said in the past, is the type of game they're trying to win. But I don't think either will be too disappointed because they didn't walk away with nothing. Crystal Palace, Brighton. Another 1-1 draw. Another thriller. Anything you want to call out on that game? Not particularly. Lewis Dunk had a terrible tackle, earned him a red right at the end on Gary Cahill. 
and I'm just happy to see that I don't think Gary Cahill has been seriously injured because he's just returned from yeah. his hamstring injury. Um, so wishing him all the best. Yeah, it'll be good to see how he fits into the team and how well he plays this season. He's always just been a steadying influence in the back line, I think. Yeah. And I think they missed him when he was gone. Definitely. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly thrilling game, but I think Brighton will be happy with the late point. And Alexis McAllister, I think that was his first Premier League goal. Both teams, I think, will be fine this season. It just wasn't a particularly thrilling match. Spurs, West Ham. Yes. One of the more exciting games of the weekend, for at least 10 minutes of it. I thought our 3-3 draw, Chelsea-Southampton, was shocking, but it didn't hold a candle to this one. No. Spurs dominated for the first, I think, 17 minutes or so. They were up 3-0. It was just... Smooth sailing for them. Kane and Son were having a great time. Second half looked like more of the same. And then Gareth Bale came on for his kind of second debut at Spurs. Looked like it was just going to be a comfortable 3-4-0 win. Um, you know, a fun game for him to come into. He nearly scored, missed a pretty great chance to make it 4-0. Seemed like it wouldn't be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then West Ham came back in the last 10 minutes. What brought them to life? They just kind of kept at it, and Spurs collapsed a little bit. Um, they were fortunate in that they scored from a set piece. The first one was just a good header. They were very fortunate the second one was an own goal from Sanchez. But then the third was just an absolute worldie that yeah, flew that into the top corner. And has to be goal of the week or goal of the month or yeah, whatever. We'll see. Lanzini. Um, and it's unfortunate for Spurs to tie you know, so late. But I don't see how you stop a goal like that either. So yeah. at least, you know, have to give West Ham some credit. That was a beautiful goal. So really it was 15 to 17 minutes of goals, a little over an hour of not bad exciting <laughs> yeah. football, and then another 10-minute flurry at the end. Yep. Touch on West Ham. just skipped the whole middle portion of the yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure a lot of people did. <laughs> uh, t- touch on West Ham briefly. Uh, this was a team that just a couple of weeks ago People were wondering if they'd have no points all the way through to November. We raised the topic. We abandoned it pretty quickly after their first win, convincing win. Mm-hmm. And apologized to them. And we apologized to them, <laughs> and rightfully so. But what what changed? How are they going from a team that people were almost sure were going to be relegated and not score points in November to a team that's holding out for some really tough draws and even some surprising wins? Their good players are showing up. I think even last season when they were in serious relegation trouble, most people thought they had better players than they were showing. Um, the two January signings, Suchek and Bowen, have been phenomenal for them. They've fit right into the team, and I think they've even improved you know, this season. So that's that's huge for them. Bowen's been scoring. Suchek and Rice are very good in the midfield together. Um, they still have problems defensively. I mean, Son and Kane were cutting through them easily in the first half, but they kind of have this belief now that they can come back and they seem to be, the players seem to be really behind David Moyes. He seems to be able to inspire them now. And I think kind of escaping relegation last season helped kind of bond the group and they seem to have kind of picked up where they left off. The really exciting thing for West Ham is that they just signed Ben Rama from Brentford. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a really fun player. Yeah, I know that a lot of teams are looking at him. I know Chelsea was in theory uh, before they went in other directions, but... I'm glad you mentioned David Moyes because all I wanted to say about him was his celebration at the end of that game. It was so cute. was probably the most entertaining and most 
since he uh, thing I saw on football all weekend. It's adorable. If you haven't seen him celebrating Lanzini's goal, go look it up because it's just jumping up pure and down, joy. Yeah. Up and down the side. Some are usually pretty pitch. reserved man. Yeah, usually a very craggy man who doesn't seem like he smiles <laughs> a lot. So Yeah, it was very cute. I hope to see more of that this season. Okay. Last game of Sunday. Leicester, Aston Villa. A one nothing victory for Aston Villa. Another deserved. surprisingly dull game for two teams that have been pretty free-scoring. Was the win deserved or not? I do think so, yeah. I, I mean, 0-0 would have been pretty fair, too. It wasn't like Villa absolutely dominated, but it's just kind of one moment of magic from Barkley right at the end where he just kind of dribbled forward from midfield and put it into the bottom corner. We've seen him do that for Chelsea. Many times. Notably in the FA Cup against Liverpool. Um, it's kind of a, one of Barkley's signature goals. And, yeah, Villa have defended really well. Leicester had a lot of injury absentees. Vardy didn't play. Soyun Chu's out for months. Um, Didi's out. They have a lot of injuries. So I thought they actually held up pretty well, but they didn't create a ton. And it was just that one moment for Barkley that changed the whole game. And like uh, West Ham, which you just touched on, Villa seems to be a team that was fighting for its spot in the Premier League last year and is, is very comfortably going to stay up this year. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to win the league. We're going we're gonna to get <laughs> get a whole new round of uh, potential releagees, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Prince William is a very happy man somewhere right now. Yeah. Villa look awesome. They're probably the story of the season so far. Yeah. They've absolutely just turned it around. They're the only team with a perfect record for wins out of four right now. Yeah. I, and the game in hand, too. Yeah. So they technically... They're flying. Yeah, they're going. That's why I started playing with them on the 21 so much. <laughs> and I often win. Okay. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> West Brom Burnley. Maybe the most boring game of the weekend. Which we're, we're starting to say about these teams. It's rare like. It's rare that I have nothing to say. But I watched this game, the entirety of this game, and really have to say. Um, Connor Gallagher from the Chelsea Academy made his debut. Looked pretty lively. Radoslav Ivanovic, Chelsea legend. Has just made his debut for West Brom at 36, back in the Premier League. I thought both teams looked fine. Nobody was especially terrible, but nobody really looked like they were going to score either. So it was a pretty terrible game to watch. And I feel very bad for the people in the UK who may have had to pay £15 to watch that game. Yeah, that and the Fulham-Sheffield United game, both victims might be too strong a term, but both victims of the change in which... uh, Fans have to play fifteen pounds a game to watch some of these to stream them. Yeah, pay per view, not very popular. I can't imagine why. A lot of Newcastle fans uh, banded together and donated to food banks for fifteen pounds each instead, which is a very cool movement. That, that is cool probably not stuff. what the Premier League was hoping no, for. No, that's a that's a positive way to show how pissed off you are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Last game of the week. Wolves. Leeds. Another one that I was hoping would be this high-scoring, you know, 4-3 thriller, and it was a pretty dull 1-0 win for Wolves. Came from kind of a mistake from Leeds. Um, defender slipped when Jimenez was coming in from the right, and then as he shot, it was deflected very much by Calvin Phillips' head, and that was the only goal of the game. Not a whole lot of note happening, but... They'll both be safe, and they're both good teams. And it's good for Wolves to kind of get some rhythm back. They look like they are kind of kicking on now from a rough start to the season. Do you think this was a convincing 
win for Wolves, I know not maybe based on the scoreline, but Leeds have been a very good team. I think a lot of people expected Leeds to win this game because of how they've played the last few weeks. And do you think the Wolves are starting to gel the way that you said they needed to? They look more like their old selves. They're a very good team. Honestly, I thought they were pretty evenly matched in this game. Um, you know, Leeds made some mistakes, as they do defensively, but they, they weren't quite as exciting going forward as usual. But that's also credit to Wolves' very solid backline. So the two teams kind of nullified one another, and it was a a good game for from a tactical battle standpoint, but not a whole lot of not a whole lot of action. Yeah. Okay. And let's just briefly recap the table as it stands five weeks in, because everyone is still very close together, and if you hadn't been following, you'd still be surprised by some of the standings now. Yes. Everton in first with 13 points, four wins and a draw. Aston Villa, Liverpool and Leicester make up the remainder of the top four. Villa have a game in hand. They're the only unbeaten team in the league. The bottom three, Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham. Those aren't surprising. No, I think all three of those teams are in pretty deep trouble this season. And there's a lot of crowding, shall we say, in the middle. Yeah, everyone else. But I think Aston Villa and Everton can be very happy with how they've started. Yeah, there's no arguing against that. All right, there you have it, our wrap-up of Week 5's matches. We'll see you on Friday ahead of next week's games after the beginning of this season's Champion and Europa Leagues. If you enjoyed our show, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at NutmeggedPod or our website, nutmeggedpodcast.com. Please rate and review the show to help other listeners find us. Cheers. Cheers.